welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. We have an amazing show today. We have a wonderful guest. Dr. Suzanne Peterson has joined us today, and she's a noted authority in stem cell research. We're having a stimulating conversation about biology and coffee. And of course, we have our Anikona Farm moment before we introduce Dr. Suzanne Peterson. So, I get questions about Anikona Farm all the time, what it's like living in Hawaii, on the big island of Hawaii. And so if I could just take a moment to share with our listeners all around the world what it's like living near Kona on the big island of coffee. Of course, Kona has delightful and delicious Kona coffee, but just kind of an inside view of what it's like We have beautiful sunsets from Anikona Farm overlooking the ocean. The ocean is a turquoise blue color, if I may just kind of share that with you. It's one of my favorite spots on the island. Actually, the Mauna Kea Beach might be one of my favorite beaches. And it's, it's a beautiful crescent beach. So we're on Anikona Farm and we can have great times where we're picking our coffee. And then we just would like to go down to Kona Town and maybe put our feet in the sand, in the ocean. And that's a little bit about Hawaii where you can do that. There's so many climate zones. It's very tropical, beautiful tropical plants flowers, the temperature is very comfortable. And of course, there's delicious food, fresh fish. And most noteworthy, I'd say about living in Hawaii is the aloha spirit. There's this beautiful sort of feel in the air about just taking one day at a time, enjoying the moments, sharing with your friends and family, and just enjoying the day. And sharing aloha with each other. So that's a little bit about what it's like living on the big island. So now let's talk about a stimulating conversation about biology and coffee. We have Dr. Suzanne Peterson joining us. She's a world authority in stem cell research and she's written a book called The Human Stem Cell Manual, A Laboratory Guide. It's really a guide for stem cell researchers all around the world. So we'd like to welcome Dr. Suzanne Peterson, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, It's a pleasure to talk to you and to hear your um, wonderful stories from the farm. Um, Well, we can't wait to hear about all your amazing things that you're doing in stem cell research and how sometimes coffee plays a role in your research, Suzanne. So maybe we could start out and ask you, please, a little bit about your early days and growing up days. Some of your family times, please. Yeah. um, So I grew up in San Diego, um, California, and um, boating in the ocean was a very big part of my life. Um, I'm an only child, and my parents... um, would take me um, on their boat and we'd go to some of the islands that are near um, and just, you know, I got to see a lot of really interesting areas. Um, it's, it's, I've always thought like how you travel kind of yes. dictates what you're going to experience that you're going to have. True. Yeah. Yes. And so like if you hike through something, um, you have a different, you know, experience with it than you would if you, you know, fly in and, and, you know, go on a tour or something. Boating is the same way. You, you, you're almost like a local when you do that. So, and you get to see like different areas. So, so true. And when you were boating, so that was a family activity you would do together and that's how you grew up. Yeah. Oh, that's something. Would you fish as well? Yeah, or? yeah. We would definitely fish. Um, we'd go, um, We a lot of the time in the summer, we'd go from San Diego to Catalina Island, um, and we'd fish all along the way. 
And um, it was just, you know, really a fun, fun time. That sounds wonderful. So how did you decide to attend Scripps College from 1991 to 95? Please share with us, uh, Suzanne, a little bit about your university days and some of your favorite classes. Yeah, well, um, you know, it, it was an interesting time, like when you kind of leave your parents' home and go out on your own and kind of, it's still kind of baby steps because, you know, I lived in a dorm and I had yes. a meal plan and stuff like that. So it wasn't like full on being an adult, but yes. it was a very fun time. And basically you don't have, your job is to learn, you know, and I like that. Like, that's great. It is. <laughs> I miss those days when I didn't have a mortgage and I didn't have, <laughs> you know all these other responsibilities and I could just go and learn. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I loved my biology classes. The biology. Yeah, yeah. I think probably my favorite class um, was taught by a wonderful guy um, named Dr. Sadova. And he um, taught a cancer biology class that really rocked my world, I guess you could say. Very inspiring. Very yes. inspiring. Just like trying to understand how the cells um, survive and, and change themselves so that they can, you know, survive and not be killed off. Right. So it's, it's um, that just really fascinated me and, um, you know, knew that I wanted to go into biology research because of that. Um and here I am, still in biology research. That does sound fascinating and so inspiring and such an important field, definitely. Then, of course, you decided to pursue a Ph.D. in microbiology and immunology at the University of Southern California. Yeah. How, yeah. how were some of those days? Did you, by chance, also have a mentor there? I did. Um, his name was Dr. Emil Bogenman. Um, those were some, you know, getting your Ph.D. is always going to be like a Difficult endeavor. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. Definitely a lot of sleepless nights studying for stuff and trying to, you know, figure out what the cells are doing. Lots of coffee being consumed. <laughs> Please share with us how yeah. you would do all those late nights. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> a lot of coffee. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of, you know, desire to figure figure things out. Um, that can be very inspirational. And um, yeah, those were, I have to say, those were kind of rough times, but, um, <laughs> but you know, it's, it was worth doing. And, um, you know, it's allowed me to go on to do bigger and better things. And you certainly have. And that, that is a very interesting field. It sounds like you did, you focused in on cell culture, characterization, and differentiation. Please share a little bit about what that means. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, basically in grad school, um, we were trying to figure out ways to, um, you can think of like a childhood tumor as, you know, if somebody gets a tumor while they're still in the womb. Yes. It clearly seems to me that there's some failure of development, that the cells didn't develop correctly. Oh, I see. And, you know, normally during this time, um, cells are differentiating, they're becoming more specialized. Um, and if that goes awry, you can get a tumor. And okay. so the idea was let's try to activate these normal pathways that the cells would normally go down um, yes. in order to get the cells back to a normal state. Uh -huh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think it as, can, as a concept, it's a very interesting way to approach cancer. Um, in practicality, I think a lot of people are just like, let's just throw a whole bunch of really toxic drugs at the cells and hope that they die. <laughs> yeah. 
well, the sort of zeroing in on the cells and seeing how they, uh, the, the characterization of them and the differentiation would seem like that's really important. And also important in stem cell research, what is your favorite part of stem cell research? I think my favorite part of stem cell research is the hope that it provides. Oh, so true. For so many diseases. Like the the hallmark of a stem cell is it's basically two things, two characteristics. Yes. It can make another copy of itself. And probably most importantly, it can become other cell types. And if you think about disease, yes. um, a number of diseases are ones where a particular cell type in your body has died or a particular cell type is not functioning anymore. So you can think about like diabetes or something like that. You know, this is a problem with the um, insulin secreting cells of the pancreas. In type one diabetes, those cells have died off. Um, So what we can do with stem cells is we can make them become those pancreas cells and transplant them into someone and they will basically have a new um, functioning, in theory, they would have a new functioning pancreas. And as you described that, Dr. Suzanne, the hope that that brings, I could see how that would be a very special part of stem cell research. It really, really is. Like, I have a project that I've been working on with Dr. Jean Loring at the Scripps Research Institute for a very long time now. Um, I'm I'm not working there physically anymore, but that project is um, trying to devise a way to use stem cells um, to treat Parkinson's disease. So so important. It really is. So Parkinson's disease is um, basically a loss of one cell type um, in the brain, the dopaminergic um, neurons in the brain. So okay. basically, they produce a neurotransmitter called dopamine. Yes. Um, and in Parkinson's, those cells are all dead. Um, they have okay. died. Um, so the idea is, can we take stem cells, yes. make them into these dopamine-producing cells, and transplant them back into the patients? Yes. That is a fascinating solution. And what do you think is going to be the outcome of that? Well, I think it's going to work. (laughs) That's so encouraging. Yeah, yeah. And Um, we can't wait to hear about the progress and how that's going. But the interesting thing about this project is that um, we got to meet the patients who are going to have this therapy and interact with them. And you can see in their faces how excited they are that there is this option, yes. um, you know, for treatment. So it's it's just it's inspiring. Um, to, so inspiring to meet the people who are going to be affected by these cells. You're having such a positive impact on the well-being and health of people, and we're so grateful to you for doing that research. We're trying, <laughs> and we're, we're just so excited to hear about how that's going. And since you've been doing your research and you did your PhD, you ended up writing your book. And your book has really become a guide for stem cell researchers, and it's called Human Stem Cell Manual, a laboratory guide. So please share with us what inspired you to write the book, and what are some of your favorite elements or most important elements of the book? So that's a book that I um, wrote with uh, Dr. Jean Loring at the Scripps Research Institute. And honestly, I guess what inspired us to write that is um, basically having standardized techniques that could be used by anyone who wants to do stem cell research. Okay. So, you know, these are things that we do all the time. And by providing this this manual, um, we hope that more stem cell research will take place, basically. 
And I bet it is. Yeah, it certainly is. (laughs) That's fantastic. We have about a minute before break. Suzanne, we were hoping we could ask you, when you were writing your book and when you had meetings with your fellow researchers and you're in the laboratory, share with us, please, how coffee plays a role and how you might chat over a cup of coffee, please. Honestly, coffee plays a huge role in science. Really? It really does. Um, You know, talking to your colleagues is so important. And where's the best forum to do that is like over a coffee, you know? So it's a relaxed setting and you can get the ideas flowing. I mean, coffee really is like the juice of science in a sense, (laughs) It's what fuels scientific research. That's a fun way how you put it. (laughs) So we're chatting with Dr. Suzanne Peterson, who is a noted authority in stem cell research. And we're talking about Dr. Peterson's written book, Human Stem Cell Manual, and how coffee might have actually helped a little bit in during meetings (laughs) or maybe even writing and some of the research of that book. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about Dr. Peterson's projects, some of the stem cell research that's been going on um, in regenerative medicine, and some of the latest research uh, right after the break. So listeners, please join us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvin Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. If you just joined us, listeners, we're speaking with Dr. Suzanne Peterson. She's a noted authority in stem cell research and also has authored the book, Human Stem Cell Manual, a laboratory guide, a guide for stem cell researchers. And we were having a stimulating conversation about (laughs) biology and coffee, and we had talked about how Dr. Suzanne had grown up in the San Diego area and was interested in the oceans and then attended Scripps College and had studied biology and went on to pursue a PhD in microbiology and immunology at University of Southern California. And we also were just talking about how coffee sometimes fuels science. And so, Dr. Suzanne, tell us a little bit more about 
some of the latest research going on in stem cell research and also some of the projects you did at Scripps Research Institute. Yeah, okay. Well, um, I have to give a little shout out um, to Please do. the best mentor that I have ever had in science who is um, Dr. Jean Loring. She is a professor at the Scripps Research Institute, and she has really guided me through my scientific career. Um, and I really appreciate her for that. Um, what's going, what are some of the exciting things that are going on in stem cell research? So I think we're pretty much on the cusp of some very big um, stem cell-based therapies. Um, coming to the clinic in the form of clinical trials. Yes. So I mentioned the Parkinson's one that that Dr. Loring is doing. Um, She works with a group called Summit for Stem Cell. And basically they have about, I think it's eight or 10 patients um, that they have made um, stem cells from. Um, They basically took samples of their skin and then did some um, genetic engineering on them to turn them into what are called induced pluripotent stem cells. These cells can become any cell type in the body, um, including those dopamine-producing neurons that are missing in the Parkinson's patients. So the idea is that they will grow up these cells, transplant them into um, the brains of these Parkinson's patients, And what people have seen from studies done in Sweden um, in the kind of late, uh, late 80s, mid, early 90s, is that um, this kind of an approach um, will work. Um, In those studies, they were using primary um, brain tissue and doing that. Um, But here, um, we're actually using the patient's own cells um, and making fresh new dopamine producing neurons for That's them. That's incredible. Yeah, it's it's um it's really exciting. And again, it goes back to the hope um that you know these patients have um that this will fix them. Yes. Um so that's really exciting. There's also another paper um that came out recently um from a group um I believe some of them are at UC Santa Barbara, and some of them are in the UK. And what they did was um, they developed a stem cell-based treatment for macular degeneration. So basically, um, in macular degeneration, there's a, a, a layer of tissue that where the cells die, basically. And so what they did was they grew up those cells in a dish, in a tissue culture dish, and then transplanted that into the eyes of two patients. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And they had a nice control because they only did it into one eye. So they had the the other eye, it was still bad. Um, And they found that their ability to read, you know, when you go to the eye doctor and read the letters on their chart, um, increased significantly. So that's so encouraging. Yeah, it's so encouraging. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so um, those are two areas where I think um, something's going to happen pretty soon in terms of um, clinical trials, more people involved in clinical trials. Another really exciting area that um, also involves Dr. Loring at Scripps um, and also the um, San Diego Zoo Institute for Conservation Research um, with Marisa, Dr. Marisa Carodi and Dr. Oliver Ryder and um, oh, I can't remember her last name, but anyways, yes. them as well as some other people. Yes. Um, so what they're doing with stem cells is they're trying to save the northern white rhino. So <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with this problem. This is actually a project that I worked in on when I was in Dr. Loring's lab. Um, but there are only two left in the whole world of these really? northern white rhinos. Yeah. There was one boy and two females, or one male and two females, and the male recently uh, passed away. Mm. Um, so now there are only two females left. So it's they're basically 
functionally extinct. Um, so what can you do? I think you have to come up with novel solutions and stem cells provide um, a way to potentially save these, these animals. So the idea here, you remember that I said stem cells can become any cell type in the body. Yes, we do remember. Okay, so any cell type in the body. How about an egg and a sperm? Those are cell types in the body. True. So the idea is to make stem cells from these rhinos and then have those stem cells become eggs and sperm. From there, you can do um, artificial um, insemination in a, in a tissue culture dish. Um, and basically, you can transplant the embryo into a similarly sized, um, you know, like a southern white rhino that's not as extinct, or excuse me, not as threatened. Not, not as threatened. Okay. Yeah. And grow up the embryo to get a new individual of the species. So it's it's very exciting, and I mean, it it's going to take a lot of work, and it may sound a little out there, but we're down to only two females left, so we've got to do something brazen, you know? Well, and when we thought this might be a stimulating conversation, it really is, because we are so inspired about what this means, how yeah. we can save like the, the white rhino, and also take those cells and help them be something else so that we can we can help someone maybe with a disease. disease. Yeah. Or, uh, this exactly. is just so fascinating. Good, Suzanne, good. Thank you for sharing that. You worked on some projects at, and I'm not sure if I'm going to say it correctly, Genia Biocells by chance? Genia Biocells. Genia yes. Biocells. Yes. Please share with us briefly what some of those projects entail. Yeah. Okay, so I was working on a truly awful disease um, that's called spinal muscular atrophy. Um, and this affects oh. babies. Um, so basically, kids who are, you know, one to two years old. Um, and another term for this disease is floppy baby syndrome. Maybe you've heard of that. Okay. Um, yes. It's basically they can't move like they're, their nerves no longer talk to their muscles. Yes. And so they can't, like, right themselves. They can't, like, you know, move around like a normal baby. Right. Um, and typically this will, um, they will die um, because they can't oh. breathe eventually. Um, so it's a devastating disease. Um, and for this, we were actually using stem cells in a different way. Um, so a lot of the time when you think stem cell therapies, you think creating a cell type that's missing and then transplanting it into a person who's missing that particular cell type. This was different. We were actually using stem cells to make um, cells which we were going to use or which we did use to test various drugs to see if oh, they would fix okay you know, mm -hmm. a facet of that cell type. We were actually using muscle. There are inherent um, problems in the muscle um, from these babies that have spinal muscular atrophy. And what we did is we made a whole bunch of that muscle um, in a tissue culture dish and then tried various drugs to see if we could fix the problems um, in those cells. And that actually, those studies are ongoing right now. Um, and we're, um, you know, trying this in a mouse model yes. to see if any of the compounds that we found, the drugs that we found, if they could fix that. So that's another way that you could use stem cells in research. Absolutely. Is, you know, Absolutely. a lot of the time you don't have a ton of disease tissue. So um, you can make it with stem cells. <laughs> what you're doing, Suzanne, is 
so helpful for so many people and we're so grateful to oh, you, you. <laughs> for your efforts and making such a difference in this world your current project is really interesting as well as you're I think you're addressing your love of the ocean with yes. some of your current yes. projects please share with us yeah I have to say I am so excited about my current job because I feel like it brings so many different aspects together you know my stem cell work my cell culture work um, and my love of the ocean Um, so what we're doing (laughs) I love this idea is um, you may have heard the term clean meat yes okay so basically the idea there is to take a sample a biopsy if you will from an animal um, take those cells that were in the biopsy presumably it would be something like uh, muscle fat connective tissue um, maybe some blood vessels and stuff like that Um, grow those up in a dish and then um, use 3d printing technologies to um, make print those cells into a shape that resembles um, a piece of meat yes Um, in this case we're doing this with seafood and um so interesting it's it's just it's really you know no fish have to be killed you know i've 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 been a vegetarian, although I do eat fish, a pescatarian, I guess you could say, Yes. for a long, long time, many, many years. And I am because I don't like it that cows or chickens or whatever have to be killed every time we want to have a meal. I know. Um, And also, like, you know, you've heard about greenhouse gases from cows and Um, the effects that it has on the environment. So if we can come up with something that tastes just the same, why wouldn't you want to eat that? (laughs) Well, and the positive thing too, Suzanne, is that you're certainly not disrupting the oceans and you don't have mercury in the fish. Yeah, the fish will not have mercury. It won't have a lot of the toxins. You know, it's like some of these, some of these fish are pretty toxic. Um, You know, there are... um, advisories for like you know in particular states like how many fish of a certain type you can eat per week and stuff like that or per month or per year and that's because there's a lot of toxins in them and so if we can you know not ruin the oceans and like get the same you know food why not do it so I'm, I'm just super excited about this. Yeah. Oh, thank you for working on that and for sharing yeah. with our listeners what you're doing to, to uh, create a food source for billions of people yeah. without harming fish and also without disrupting the ocean. Exactly. And we wish yeah. you well with that project. Oh, and we look forward too. to hearing yeah. about that. <laughs> In the future, we can't wait. So when you're doing your research, Suzanne, and we've been talking a little bit about all that you do, there's a lot going on in San Diego in particular. It's known for its biotech savviness and and regrowing and generating organs here. Describe for us briefly what the San Diego biotech scene is like here. Yeah, well, you know, I, I feel very lucky um, to live in San Diego. It's, you know, a wonderful place. My, my family is here. Um, and it happens to be a totally biotech-friendly kind of hotspot. Um, so, yeah, there's a tight community of, of stem cell researchers, of, of biotech people. Um, there are lots of events. Um, San Diego is also um, known for its craft breweries and stuff like that. So there are a lot of biotech events at these craft breweries that's fun yeah and also you know coffee places and stuff (laughs) like that yeah so um yeah I feel very lucky to live in San Diego and to be able to work in San Diego it sounds like just the perfect spot to be especially for all that you're doing what are some of your favorite things you like to do when you're not doing your important research 
Well, I certainly like to go um, boating and go on the ocean. Um, I like to hike around here. I have a, a wonderful hike that I take by my house. Um, take the dog and go on a hike. And um, yeah, what else do I? I guess I like to cook. Um, although sometimes that can be daunting, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like being out in nature. Um, yeah, I know you um, also give talks and you you help people learn about, you educate people about stem cell research. And that's another reason why I'm just so grateful to you. Thank you for taking the time today to share all that's going on in stem cell research because it's such an important field. Before we go to break in about two minutes, I'd love to ask whether or not you have a second book coming. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Something that I keep meaning to do. <laughs> I feel a little bad because I haven't gotten around to that yet. It's uh, the paperwork is signed and everything, but I gotta get going on that. <laughs> how will how will that book be? Sort of what will be the focus of the second book? So I think um, one of the things that we again we want to have um, very reliable techniques that stem cell researchers can use, but I think we also want to have part of the book. Um, emphasizing the progress that we've made in stem cell research. Um, you know, we've been blessed to be in California, which has the um, California Institute for Regenerative Medicine, which um, funds a lot of the, the stem cell research here. Um, but we really need to get the message out that these things are working, um, you know, that we are progress making progress. Made. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So, um I think we'll definitely have a section on the progress that has been made in, um, you know, clinical trials all over the world. And that's a very positive story. And we wish you well with that second book. Well, thank you. So we've been chatting <laughs> with Dr. Suzanne Peterson, who's an authority in stem cell research and has written a book, Human Stem Cell Manual, a laboratory guide. And it does serve as a guide for stem cell researchers. And we've had such a nice talk talking about all the amazing research that has been going on and that what Dr. Suzanne is involved in and some of the fun things she likes to do outside of her normal <laughs> research day. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the stem cell research community and what is that like and the sharing of knowledge and the collaboration right after the break. So please join us, listeners. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. America Network proudly presents the Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to My Favorite Coffee Story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Welcome back to My Favorite Coffee Story. Listeners, we're so glad you're with us because we're having a stimulating conversation about biology and coffee with Dr. Suzanne Peterson, who's an authority in stem cell research and has written a book about human stem cell manual, laboratory guide. And we were just chatting with Suzanne about her research and all the hope that is coming out of that research to help people with disease and babies who are not healthy. And so we're so grateful to you, Suzanne, for all that you do. And there's certainly a certain amount of sharing within the stem cell community and how that happens. There there are talks that Dr. Suzanne will do. There are, there are ways in which there's education about stem cell research. And then, of course, there are travels. And so we're going to ask you, <laughs> Suzanne, about your upcoming travels. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I'm not actually sure what my upcoming travels are going to be, but travel is a huge um aspect of being a scientific researcher. So you um, have to go and talk to people um, who are in different areas of the world. And um, I feel very lucky because I've, I've gotten to meet so many international people um, through science. Um, you know, just a little shout out. I have a great friend in Japan um, that I've got to travel great. there for, for science, for a scientific conference. And he took um, my husband and I um, all through the countryside of Japan. And um, we saw like a, a firefly festival in the mountains. And oh, um, magical. Yeah, very magical. Um, I have a dear friend who is a professor in Brazil. Um, Dr. Stevens Rahan, um, and he um, has, I've collaborated with him a lot. He's also invited me down to Brazil to give talks about stem cells. So that was an amazing um, trip, probably the That's most great. recent that um, I have to say I was blown away by um, was I had a friend um, who we were collaborating with when I was in uh uh, working with uh, Dr. Loring at Scripps, um, who is from Russia, um, from the um, far, I guess it's the far east of Russia, Vladivostok. Yes. So like the area near Japan. And um, he came to Gene Loring's lab um, to do some conservation kind of work, similar to what I was telling you about the rhinos, um, but using marine mammals. Um, endangered marine mammals, so like the Lake Baikal seal oh, and right. like um, Irrawaddy dolphins and, you know, just yes. very rare marine um, mammals. And um, he was actually able to reprogram or make stem cells from some of these um, endangered marine mammals while he was here. And he invited me to come to a conference in Russia, in Vladivostok, or outside of Vladivostok, where um, where basically um, we talked about, you know, growing these um, marine cells for marine creatures. Um, it was just magical. It was at this little um, area on the beach with all these cabins. Um, on the Sea of Japan, I think it is. The the Yellow Sea, is that? I don't know. I think that's what it's called. Yes. Yeah, and it was just gorgeous, just so beautiful. And, you know, we'd eat, um, like, they'd go diving every day, and, like, uh, they would um, pick up fresh sea urchins, and we'd eat uni um, right on the beach. Um, wow. And what I've really been shocked by, I mean, not shocked, but... Um, impressed by, I guess you could say, is that um, there are so many wonderful people in the world <laughs> who are doing interesting things and um, getting out there and talking to them. You know, I really didn't know what to expect going to Russia, but it was fantastic, you know? And so I, they were so hospitable. So hospitable. And so happy, and so happy to talk science and stuff like that. So I just... I, I feel very lucky being a scientist because there is definitely a lot of um, travel and yes. um, speaking to people that you wouldn't normally get to talk to, you know, so. 
And that was something we were going to ask you, and thank you for touching on that, Suzanne, about sharing of knowledge yeah. and sharing of research so that you can further along the science and the collaborative nature that you have. So I'm so glad that you were able to experience that yeah. in, in Brazil or in Russia or in Japan. And we just are, are happy to hear that scientists do pull together their yeah. knowledge and share all to better uh, how research is handled and, yeah, yeah. and to further research. So we were curious when you're sharing your knowledge. I mean, it might be over a good meal or like a sea urchin yeah. type of thing, but it might also be maybe in one of your favorite cafes or sure. over a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. definitely uh, coffee, coffee is usually involved. <laughs> we talked about. So would you have maybe a favorite cafe, or even maybe while you've traveled, one of your favorite coffee cafes? Actually, I went to a cat coffee cafe in, in Japan. Japan. <laughs> That was really cool. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, there are actually a lot of them. I was surprised. Um, and we had to take a number because apparently there's, you know, quite a line for these things. Um, so <laughs> we took a number and, um, you know, about an hour or two later, they, they um, you take like a pager with you and like, you know, like at a restaurant or something. And um, we came back and... We got to pet the cats and drink coffee with them, and it was wonderful. I've, I've heard of the cat cafes yeah. in Japan <laughs> yeah. and how wonderful they are. Yeah. That's fun you were able to experience that. Yeah. That's so great. So you have a lot going on in your day, and between writing your second book and doing your research and trying to come up with fish in the lab and all, you know, helping with various diseases, how do you balance your time? Uh, not very well. No. <laughs> not very well. No, I think you're doing really well. Uh, uh, yeah, I really don't do that very well. It's kind of like all or nothing. <laughs> well, it it seems also you're very passionate about your field. And, I certainly am. And you care a lot about what you do. And so I can imagine you really put so much into your research and so I was thinking for our listeners and for anyone who's been thinking about going into science or pursuing even their dreams in general would you have by chance some words of wisdom or even maybe some of your life lessons as you've been doing your research and pursuing biology and stem cell work what would you suggest to a student thinking about going into this field I, I think I would say, um, you know, be sure that you really like this before you get into it. It's a lot of work getting to, um, you know, a level where you can really do a lot of interesting things. Um, it's going to take a lot of time. Be sure you really want to do hard this. Work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, keep your mind open. Um, you know, you never know what's going to work in the lab until you actually do the experiment. That's and, a good point. Yeah. And so I think that, like, you know, I'll have a feeling like this isn't going to work or this is going to work or blah, blah, blah. But you really got to keep your mind open to possibilities. Um, you know, that's really well stated. Were there was there a moment when you thought you were going to try something and it was such a long shot and it worked? Yes. Really? <laughs> yeah. Please yeah. describe that. Well, um, I think this was back in graduate school. Um, I was trying to figure out how to, um, or what sort of conditions would lead to this one gene being turned on. And, um, and I just tried a whole bunch of things, and one of them worked, like, amazingly wow. well. And I was just blown away. Um and in retrospect, I was very lucky that that worked. I was very lucky. But that also showed how being open-minded and trying things and just thinking, like, what if? Yeah. And, you know, one tries some things and they might not work. But it was that one that worked. Yeah. 
And that seems like having that perspective makes a huge difference in the lab and yeah. in one's research. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. It's very like you're on the top of the top of the world when something like that works. So, yeah. How how would you describe Suzanne maybe your dreams? And it, it seems like you're certainly living a life where you're you're able to pursue your dreams, but how would you describe your dreams? How would I describe my dreams? Um <laughs> Well, uh, I think my dream would be to see some of these stem cell based, um, you know, either therapies or stem cell based food or something like that come to fruition within my lifetime. Um, you know, like with the, um, I've been lucky in the sense that, you know, it was 1998 when human embryonic stem cells were first developed and yes. then 2006 or 7 when when um, induced pluripotent stem cells were developed and so it's been like bright smack dab in the center of my career and I really want to see those cells do something awesome so that would be my dream. <laughs> And I think that you're going to realize that dream with all your good work (laughs) and all the collaborative uh, nature of of the stem cell scientists pulling together. And so we we are excited to learn more about all your good research down the road. And we just so appreciate that you've joined us today to give us hope and all the positivity that stem cell research brings. So Dr. Suzanne Peterson, thank you so much for all that you do. We really appreciate it. And thank you for sharing some of your fun (laughs) coffee stories along the way and inspiring our listeners around the world as they're thinking about pursuing their dreams or even going into the field of science or biology or stem cell research. So thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you. It was really fun. So we've had Dr. Suzanne Peterson with us today, who's a noted authority in stem cell research. And we have had a thoroughly stimulating conversation about biology and coffee. And so we've learned about stem cell research, the importance to our future, how coffee sometimes plays a role in science. So thank you so much. And listeners, thank you for joining us today on My Favorite Coffee Story. We've always, we always enjoy our time together. And to all our listeners around the world, to our friends in Los Angeles and Seattle and Texas, and of course, all across the U.S., but we also say thank you to our friends in Ireland and in China and Japan. We're so grateful that you've joined us. So please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can always check on our Anikona gift at anikona.com, or you can send questions to orders at anikona.com. And in the meantime, we wish you a wonderful aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.